Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you would turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27 will begin in verse 27. So 27, 27. As I was looking at my text this morning and uh, thinking about how I might begin, um, a verse came to mind. We're looking today at the suffering of Jesus on the cross. We had looked last week at His uh, um, at the decision to, to uh, release Barabbas instead of, uh, of Jesus and uh, how He was delivered over to be flogged and then crucified. And this week we're looking at how He was mocked and how He was, how he was crucified. But this verse came to mind. It was from, it's from Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 3. It says, "...consider Him who endured from sinners such hostility against Himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted." In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. What is the practicality of considering the cross like we're going to do this morning? What does that mean for tomorrow, for how we live every day? Well, Hebrews here tells us we are to consider Him who endured such hostility from sinners against Himself so that we don't grow weary. We are tempted to grow weary. We are tempted to give up. Life is hard. And how are we going to make it? By considering Him. By considering the One who suffered in our place. We think it's hard. What did Jesus go through? Along the same lines, uh, sometimes we... We, we sometimes think about the Gospel in the wrong way. I think we, re- we recognize the Gospel is not just how we become a Christian, but it's what we feed on as Christians for the rest of our lives. As one has said, it's, it's not just the ABCs of becoming a Christian, the Gospel is the A to Z. It's, it's everything about the Christian life. It's not just what we need to know to become Christians. It's, it's what sustains us every step of the way. And some would be tempted to, to only preach the Gospel for some kind of evangelistic service. And then the other, other times, they, they might just preach, uh, go on to bigger and different things and go to more advanced things. Well, there is nothing more advanced than the Gospel. The Gospel is all that we need. And everything is transformed by the Gospel. Consider a, a, a sermon on parenting. A sermon on parenting might be tempted to just uh, go through and give a lot of tips on how to be a good parent. That's gospelless. It's not Christian preaching. Unless it's brought into the context of the gospel. A, a gospel centered sermon on parenting might say, you know what? We're all going to mess up. And ultimately, it's by God's grace that any of our kids turn out okay. 
That's one way that we we can bring the gospel to it. We need grace. We we know that you know uh, we are not the ones who could die for our children. Only Jesus could do that. We can't be their savior. And that's a, a great thing that encourages us so that we don't give up and lose heart. Or um, maybe a sermon on marriage. You know, a sermon on marriage. You might be tempted to just, again, give a bunch of relationship tips and how to be a good communicator and all things, all those kinds of things. But that, again, can be gospel-less. But the Bible gives us the connection between marriage and the gospel. Whenever Paul tells husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and laid Himself down for her. In the gospel, we see forgiveness. What is the secret to a happy marriage? Some might say, well, a happy wife is a happy life. No. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is the secret to a a long marriage. The gospel is not the A, B, C, but it's the A to Z. It's what we sustain on. And and, and this morning we're going to be looking here at this text that is about the cross. The cross, the, the very center of that gospel message that Jesus died on the cross. He took our sins away. He was our substitute. What we deserve, the death that we deserve, He took it on, him, on Himself. He paid our debt. He took our sin on Himself and He gave us His righteousness. So this morning, as we look into our text, beginning in verse 27, let us consider Him who endured such hostility from sinners against Himself. Beginning in verse 27, it says, Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before Him. And they stripped Him and put a scarlet robe on Him, and twisting together a crown of thorns, They put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. As they went out, They found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And and over his head they put the charge against him which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on his right and one on the left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, 
You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, (coughs) come down from the the cross. So also, (coughs) the chief priest with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, He saved others. I've got water up here. Thank you. He saved others. He cannot save from himself. He is the King of Israel. Let him come down from his from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now, if he desires him. For he said, "I am the Son of God." And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him the same way. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the cross and what you did for us there. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to obey this morning. Lord, give me grace and strength as I preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Hopefully that will help me keep from coughing. So, we begin. The soldiers took Jesus into the governor's headquarters and they gathered a whole battalion of soldiers. Now, a whole battalion would have been a lot of soldiers. That would have been a, I think, if if I remember correctly from my reading, about 600 or so. Um, that's quite a lot for a flogging. Um, it, it could be that when Matthew wrote this down, he was meaning all the ones who were there. So everybody that was there all came together and participated in this. And the first thing they did was they stripped him. We think of nakedness and shame to get together. In fact, I believe that the word for Shame in the Old Testament is the same as the word for nakedness. You uh, look at the Garden of Eden, and right after the fall, what was the first thing that Adam and Eve realized whenever they had sinned? But that they were naked. Their eyes were open, and they realized they were naked, and shame came over them. And what did they do to Jesus? But they stripped Him. It's the first thing. And then they put a scarlet robe on him. Now, some of the gospel translations, some of the gospels, not translations, but uh, of the other four gospels, say they're purple. And this one says scarlet. This is not a contradiction. It's just that in, uh, in ancient times, they didn't distinguish colors uh, as distinctly as we do by their names when they identified them. So, um, whatever color this was, uh, it was something along that spectrum between purple and and scarlet. And the, the word here, scarlet, is probably used to emphasize uh, that they probably put one of the, co- the cloaks that would be worn by a Roman soldier on him. Now the purple, whenever that's mentioned, that's associated with royalty. So the idea there is, is that they were putting it on him to represent a kingship. 
But the, the scarlet there represents, they probably took off one of their own capes and put it on him. Regardless, they're there to mock him and to flog him, and they're there putting on this robe, this scarlet robe that may be for a king. And then they twist together a crown of thorns. He is the king. He is the king of kings. But they don't recognize him for the king that he is. And they, they, they mock him. And, and because he is this king, they, they make a crown for him. They don't make it out of silver or gold. They don't make a, a king a crown that is fit for a real king. No, they, they twist it out of thorns. And they beat it upon his head. They put on his head, they put it on his head, and then they put a reed in his hand, a reed there for his scepter. A king has a scepter. It's something that he rules with. We think of prophecy there. In the book of Numbers, we have Balaam's oracle that, uh, that uh, I think is prophetic about the, the Messiah that's to come. And uh, he says that the scepter will not depart from Judah. Jesus here is of the tribe of Judah. And the, the soldiers give him a scepter to rule with, this reed. And then they kneeled before him. He was worthy of worship. He is worthy of all of our worship, all of our praise, all of our adoration. Yet these soldiers did not do so to worship Him. They did so to mock Him. They were kneeling down before Him as if they were to worship Him, but they weren't really worshiping Him. They cried out saying, Hail, King of the Jews! Little did they know that what they said was true. He was the king of the Jews. He was the rightful king, the heir of David's throne. And yet they said so to mock him. They spit on him. And one of the most shameful things that uh, we can think of to insult a person would be to spit on them. And this is what the, the soldiers did. They spit on him and they took the reed that they had given him and they struck him on the head. This is before they took off the crown of thorns. So they struck him on the head, making the thorns go deeper and deeper into his head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe. And they put his own clothes back on him. And they led him away to be crucified. Verse 32. It says, And they went out. As they went out. This is probably not as they went out of the, um, of the praetorium there where uh, Pilate's headquarters was. They probably, it was probably as they went out the city gates. Because they were taking Jesus out of 
the city. They wouldn't crucify someone inside the city. They would take him outside the camp. This is also symbolic of (coughs) the Old Testament sacrifice. Uh, They would take the sacrifice outside the camp in some instances. And Jesus was taken outside the camp, outside the city gates. And as they were on their way out of those city gates, they ran into a man named Simon of Cyrene. And they compelled this man to carry his cross. Now that tells us something. Jesus probably carried his own cross from the praetorium until he got to the city gates and then collapsed under its weight. They met this siren, man from Cyrene named Simon. And when it says they compelled him, they weren't just persuading him. Saying, hey, would you be a good guy and help him? No. They forced him. They forced him. Against his will, he was forced to carry the cross of Jesus. When they came to the place of Golgotha, which means a place of the skull, it just seems sounds scary just to even think about it. You think of skulls and pirates and poison. All the things we associate with skulls. Here, Jesus was taken to a place called the place of the skull. And they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall. Of course, he was thirsty. The Gospel of John tells us that he cried out, I thirst. Here it tells us they, they offered him wine mixed with gall. In other, in other gospel accounts, it says it was mixed with hyssop. And hyssop is something that would be, I think actually it, it, it's, um, it's sometimes in cough drops. Because it, it's, a, it's an anesthetic. It's a natural anesthetic. And Jesus refused to take this wine mixed with hyssop because... Um, he wanted to be fully cognizant and fully aware, completely experiencing all of the sensations of the suffering of the cross. He did not want to, to dull his senses, but to experience the full weight of it. The word gall here is probably used. Gall and hyssop, they're probably referring to the same thing, but the gall here emphasizes the bitterness And so as Jesus tasted it, he spit it out and wouldn't drink it. And when they had crucified him, they crucified him. They put him up on the cross. And the the horror of crucifixion, uh, we, we, we think about the fact that a person's hands are nailed to the cross and their feet are nailed to the, the up, and, up and down beam. Yet, one of the horrors of, of this is that the person would typically die of suffocation because as, as they hung there, their body would weigh down and they, their, their, um, their breathing passages were, were closed off and unable to breathe. So they would try to push themselves up with their legs in order to try to get just a breath to breathe. This was the horror of crucifixion. It was slow, agony, painful. And when it says, when they crucified him, they divided his garments. 
among them by casting lots. This is prophesied in Psalm 22 that Amy read. The text said, they divided my garments among them. And that's what they did here as Jesus was crucified. They took His garment, which also tells us Jesus hung on that cross naked, shamed, They divided his garments among them by casting lots. And then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And the Jews, or, and, and over his head they put the charge against him that read, This is the king of the Jews. Again, pointing out to the very same thing that they mocked him with earlier. As they bowed down before him and said, Hail, King of the Jews. They put this sign over him. Another Gospel account tells us that it was put in Greek and Aramaic and Latin so that all who were there could read the charge against him. The Gospel of John tells us that the religious leaders who saw it there said, oh, let it say he claimed to be king of the Jews. And yet Pilate said what, it is, what is written is written. He wasn't going to change it. Then it says, then two robbers were crucified with him. One on the right and one on the left. Again, this points back to the Isaiah 53 passage that he was numbered with the transgressors. He was crucified among two thieves. And the same Greek word that we referred to Barabbas is the Greek word that's used to describe these two robbers that Jesus was crucified between. They could have been robbers. They could have been political insurrectionists. The same word could be used for both. Jesus was crucified numbered with them. He was crucified between two thieves. And then, those who passed by derided Him, wagging their heads, mocking Him. They named one of the charges that was said before Pilate, you who destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself if you are the Son of God. Come down off the cross. Jesus, of course, had said, tear down this temple and I will rebuild it in three days. But He wasn't talking about the temple, the physical structure there. He was talking about His own body and it tells us there. Jesus would do exactly what they were saying. As this temple, His body was destroyed, He would raise it up in three days. And as it says, if you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. There is another passage in Matthew that uses these same words, if you are the Son of God. And they were said out of the mouths of Satan himself. If you are the Son of God, make these stones bread. If you are the Son of God, Bow down and wait. 
Throw yourself off the temple. And these same words coming from the mouth of Satan came from those who mocked Jesus as He was on the cross. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. As Jesus even hung there on the cross, Satan was still trying to tempt Him to do something other than what God's will was to save all of humanity. He said, and the crowd, they cried, He saved others. He can't save Himself. He's the King of Israel. Let Him come down now from His cross and we'll believe in Him. But would they? If He did come down off the cross, they would probably be filled with just the same hatred as they had. Verse 43. This is reminiscent again of the, of the passage that Amy read from Psalm 22. He trusts in Him. Let Him deliver Him. Is what the psalmist said. Verse 43 says, He trusts in God. Let God deliver Him now if He desires Him. Psalm 22 is a messianic psalm and describes many of the things that Jesus experienced on the cross. And it says, for he said, I am the Son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him the same way. And from the other Gospels, we know that one of the robbers ended up having a change of heart. But the emphasis we have here in Matthew is that even they, as he hung there between them, heaped insults upon him. Why do we consider this today? First of all, we consider this because this is how our salvation was purchased. Jesus went through all of this, the mocking, the scourging, the hanging there in His shame, naked on the cross, being mocked and being ridiculed. He did all that for us. He did all that for us. This was the only way we could be reconciled to God. And that wasn't the worst of it. Because also, He didn't just experience the ridicule and the shame from human beings, but He also experienced the wrath of God being poured out upon Him in our place. Another reason that we consider this is just as I said in the very beginning, when we feel like giving up, when we feel weak, when we feel like faint-hearted, the writer of Hebrews tells us to consider Him who endured such hostility from sinners against Himself. We live in a hostile world. We live in a world that hates us. It may not have seemed so in earlier years, but as the years go by, we can see more and more how how society hates the followers of Jesus. 
and hates those who believe what he really said, who believe what his word says. How are we to stand in the midst of such a hostile world? We consider him. We consider the way they treated him. We haven't had to resist to the point of death. The point of shedding blood, as Hebrews says. By considering this text, it ought to cause us to worship Jesus in thanksgiving and gratitude for what He endured for us. And it ought to give us strength so that we can keep on going in the midst of a hostile world. So as you face this week, whatever situation you find yourself in where you feel tempted to give in, whether it be uh, just giving up on everything or whether it be giving in to some particular temptation, think on Jesus and His suffering for you. And that will give you and me strength to keep going. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.